is on the sparrow. And if he watches over the sparrow, we know that he watches over us as well. Grab your Bibles, if you would, please, tonight. Second Corinthians is where we're going to be. I do want to make mention of the fact that we will be at our back table tonight. Uh, uh, we do uh, take uh, credit and debit cards. I don't know if we brought that with us, though, Brandon. Did we down from the room? Oh, I don't have it on my phone, though. If, you, if you're going to be here tomorrow or Wednesday night, it might be better to wait because I, I got a new, someone sent me a new phone today. So whoever dropped off that package from the office, I was really grateful because, you know, us guys with our tech, we love to set up new phones. It's, uh, it's two years old, but hey, it's new to me, right? So uh, it saves me a subscription to Verizon, <laughs> right? Uh, to pay off the device. So I set that up and I don't have the credit card thing set up. But if, uh, if you do need, if you're only gonna be here tonight, we'll figure out a way. Uh, but uh, we'll be at the back table. And if you're interested, we have a number of CDs out there that are all acapella. So this is the first one that I did, um, uh, not in my whole life, but as far as it's on the table, it's called acapella. So you can probably figure out what's on it, acapella stuff. Um, but that's back there, we've got four of them. And if you're interested in, I've got a number of these that are left called The Power of Music. This is a, um, a one-shot message that I do on the subject, the topic of music, and uh, this is uh, a mix of me actually giving this uh, at a chapel at Pensacola Christian College as well as direct to the camera, just talking about some things. I like to inject humor into the topic, and so I do a lot of illustrations on the piano and have a great time uh, that way. I will say one other thing, and that is I'm, you're the first church that I'm able to say this in because I had to keep this a secret for a while. But uh, last week, before we came to you, I made an announcement about the fact that I've been doing acapella music since I was six years old. So I'm 46 now, so that's, I mean, I don't know if the new math you know, works out this way, but the way I know it, it's 40 years. Uh, I've been wandering in the wilderness of acapella music. Uh, that just sounded funny, 40 years, right? Uh, but I've been doing this for a long time, and um, I'm starting to approach that number 50. Now, I know for many of you, because I've been told this, I've been so, oh, you're young, you're just a spring chicken. I understand that, I really do. Uh, and I don't take offense at people thinking that I'm younger, but I do know that this is the truth. It's a whole lot more effort now to sing a cappella music at 46 than it was at 26, uh, because it's, it requires an extreme use of the voice. So uh, I started realizing this just maybe within the last year or so. I've lost a few half steps up top in my range. And if I weren't also a preacher, perhaps uh, it I wouldn't be facing this. And if I weren't on the road traveling all the time, perhaps I wouldn't be facing this. But I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do. So I say all that to say this. I was thinking there may be, there is an expiration date on my ability to do acapella music. So instead of waiting in dread for that day to come, I decided to kind of grab the bull by the horn, so to speak, and to go out with a bang. So by the time I'm 50 years old, my goal is to record 50 new acapella songs. Uh, and that is my goal and I'm committed to it. And in fact, I've already started on the project and uh, also uh, making it possible for people to kind of join me in that project uh, by uh, uh, joining either on Patreon or YouTube memberships where you can get behind the scenes. So for the first time ever, I'm gonna explain my process and how I record, how I arrange, how I do everything start to finish, including some really cool behind the scenes stuff. We just recorded our first episode last week because uh, he's my documentary 
uh, filmmaker over there, and we actually went to uh, the place where I used to record as a junior high and high school student, and we found some really interesting things, because I hadn't been back there since 1995. So uh, anyway, it's called 50 by 50, and if you're interested in that, on our website you can go, beniverson.com, and you'll click the big number 50, and it'll take you there, and it'll explain everything to you. If you're physically able to stand, I'd like to ask you to do so tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. If you're not physically able to stand or keep completely understand that, that's all right. But 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, beginning in verse number 1, Paul says this. It's not expedient for me, doubtless to glory, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself will I will not glory, but mine infirmities. He's talking about himself here, right? He's being creative in a way that he can say, hey, I experienced this amazing thing, but I'm not going to glory in it. So he kind of speaks about himself in the third person, right? Uh, keep reading. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. Here we go. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Dear Lord, I pray you help me tonight. I need you. Fill me with your spirit, I ask. Encourage us tonight, I pray in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Why does God allow us to suffer? I thought once you trusted Christ, everything was health and well. After all, that's what those televangelists tell us, right? By the way, there's a difference between a televangelist and an evangelist who occasionally appears on television. Please understand there's a difference because I'm an evangelist who occasionally appears on television, but I am not a televangelist. <laughs> but the health and wealth prosperity gospel preachers say, hey, if you just have enough faith, then everything should be healthy and wealthy and you're all good. And by the way, if you really want to be healthy and wealthy, send me $500. See, that, that's the whole line, right? Well, <laughs> Paul didn't get that memo. Paul... Paul, one of the greatest Christians this world has ever seen, struggled and had suffering in his life. That in and of itself, doesn't that encourage you? In fact, we could go through, maybe this is an idea for a different sermon, but we could go through and look at the times when things did not work out how Paul wanted them to, because there's a number of them. We touched on one yesterday morning when there was a split in the team, right? That didn't work out at first how we wanted it to. Uh, I'm sure had he had a choice, he would have avoided some of those uh, beatings and stonings and his investments in stocks and bonds. <laughs> a little Monday night humor there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Dad joke, right? A little bit. But what I'm saying is simply this. Why, God has to have a purpose. Why does God allow us to suffer? First of all, I want you to see something, friend, because we're going to see four reasons God allows us to go through suffering. But before we get into those four, I do want to say, 
because it's not in this passage. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, the reason God will allow you to go through suffering is to draw you to himself. So if you're not a Christian, if you've, never tr- if you've never trusted Christ, friend, don't leave here tonight without doing so because God will allow difficulties in your life to draw you to him. Now, Paul was already a believer. Paul was already trusting Christ. Paul was already a Christian. So why would God allow a Christian to suffer? Number one, to rid us of pride. To rid us of pride. What did he say? Lest I should be exalted above measure, right? Through the abundance of the revelations. What's he talking about? Well, he just said it. He was caught up. He couldn't really tell. Was he really caught up to the third heaven or was it more of a vision? I cannot tell, he said. But I mean, it was real. And Jesus revealed to him this truth I mean, you want to talk about hidden knowledge. (laughs) You want to talk about someone who would have had the right to brag. It's kind of like these guys, these few men who, uh, I don't know how many of them are around anymore, but once somebody went to the moon and walked on the moon, you know, you really couldn't beat that. (laughs) You could say anything you wanted to. Yeah, well, I hiked Mount Everest. Yeah, well, I walked on the moon. You know, really can't beat that. There's nothing that anyone could have come up to Paul and said, well, I did this. And Paul couldn't say, well, you know, I, I got one better for you. But what does God's word say about pride? God resisteth the who? The proud. But gives grace unto the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. I want to be used by God. I don't want, to be, uh, I don't want God to have to work in spite of me. I want to be used by God. And there's that conundrum or that tension that we have uh, always that we'll never solve, but the sovereignty of God, the free will of man. Listen, when God wants to do something, there's none of us can stop it. But I do believe that we can cancel ourselves out from being a part of what God is doing. One of the most beautiful pictures of this, I think, is the account of Esther, right? She had come and been put in that situation for such a time as this, but her, uh, was it her uncle, I believe, uh, says, uh, I always say Mordecai, but some people say Mordecai, uh, said, uh, if you don't do this, God will raise up help from another place, but you yourself will perish. One man put it this way, in other words, we're not going to stop what God is doing, but you can cancel yourself out from any blessing. And how do we cancel ourselves out? We cancel ourselves out when we operate by pride. Do you realize God doesn't need you? Well, Brother Ben, that's a mean way to preach. That hurts my self-esteem. <laughs> oh, Actually, it should help it. Not self-esteem part, but it should make you actually more secure. When I lost my voice in 2015, I learned a lot of things. Some were kind of funny. For example, uh, what seemed, well, they seemed funny on the surface. We went out with an evangelist friend of ours and his wife, the four of us, were sitting at a table. I've been told not to talk for three months. Uh, I get 15 minutes a day, and my wife reserved all 15. So I would communicate by either writing things out or texting, right? It was amazing how quickly that we're sitting in a, in a group of four. There's only three other people. We're around like a booth. 
And they started talking like I wasn't there. Talking about me in the third person. You know, well, Ben, when he does this, and oh, well, Ben, oh, I'm like, I'm like, I'm right here. Click, click, click. It was funny on the surface. Then I started thinking to myself, you know, the Lord's allowing me to experience this. I wonder how many people who have a deficiency in their ability to communicate experience this every day. Maybe they're deaf. Maybe they're blind. Maybe uh, they have a, a, aphasia where they, can't, they can think the words, but they can't say the words. I mean, I learned a lot during that time, you know? But I'll tell you this, it was humbling. Because I, I didn't think I prided myself on it, and, and, uh, and that's something that I'll, I, I'll always wrestle with between me and the Lord, you know, making sure that I stay humble. But this helped me realize, because I kind of think that ability to express myself is one of my strengths. I'm the oldest of five. I've always been able to express myself fairly well. Uh, I've got a younger brother who kind of struggled to express himself and has worked really hard, and now he's good at it, but he's good at it because he worked at it. I just was kind of born with the ability to communicate. Now, I do work at it, too. But when that was taken away from me, boy, that was really something. That was humbling. And you know, sometimes the Lord will allow us to go through difficulty <coughs> excuse me, in order to humble us so that he could use us. Because if we're proud, if we think, boy, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure the Lord is thankful he's got me on his side, we don't ever say that. Sometimes we act that way. I told the Lord, I said, Lord, my voice belongs to you. And if, it was never really a doubt that I'd get my speaking voice back. I kind of still had my speaking voice, but singing especially like the acapella stuff and things like that, takes much finer muscle control. So that was the doubt, whether or not I'd sing again. So I thought to myself, all right, Lord, well, I do play the tuba. Maybe that, you know, maybe I'll record myself four times on tuba and call it the tuba four. <laughs> and I would do that, you know? I, you know. My brain was getting real creative. But the Lord just wanted me to rest in Him. And I'm so grateful that He gave me my voice back. It belongs to Him. But He allowed me to be humbled. I don't know what it might be for you, friend. But sometimes the Lord will allow you to go through a difficulty. To go through suffering. To rid you of pride. So that He can, so that he can turn around and use you. He doesn't stop there, though, does He? Look at verse 8. For this thing... I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. If you're in King James like I am, that word besought is not really a word we use a whole lot. But I mean, it means to beg. I begged God. I said, Lord, I, I could serve you so much better. I mean, there's a lot of different theories about what Paul's thorn in the flesh was, right? Uh, the one that I thought for a long time and still kind of lean toward was some sort of eye difficulty. We see little hints here and there in his other writings where he says, Behold, uh, how large a letter I've written with mine own hand, seeming to indicate that, I can't remember which epistle that was, it's one of the shorter ones, but he would often have an amanusis, right? Or a, uh, that's a big word for a Monday night. It's just a scribe, someone who was writing down 
They didn't have Siri and Google and all this where you could just speak to text and, and it runs to China and back so they know what we're thinking. And uh, that was just thrown in as a little to see if anyone's awake. Uh, because, you know, everybody knows everything about what, you know, we talk about, I'm, I'm, I won't be surprised if transmissions start showing up in my feed because I've been praying about transmissions, right? I should say this, 45 second detour, right? There's this girl and she goes to Target. She's like 18, 19 years old. Newly married, heads to Target, and at this particular Target, they had computerized screens on their carts. This is true. You can look it up because uh, everything on the internet is true. Um, no, but this has actually been verified multiple ways. Anyway, she's walking around Target, and it will, uh, if, if you type in your code, it remembers who you are. And so she's going around Target, oh, I need to get this and this and this, and she's getting certain things. And then it recommended that she get diapers and formula. And she's like, what? I don't, I'm not, we just got married. I'm not pregnant. Why would I need diapers and formula? Well, uh, she didn't get any. She went home and just out of curiosity, she took home a pregnancy test. And guess what? She was pregnant and didn't know it. But the shopping cart knew it. How did it know? Well, it had cross-referenced her buying habits. She was buying these certain foods and these certain things in certain quantities that it knew enough to say, hey, you know, 95% of the other ladies who buy this stuff are pregnant, so you probably are. Wow, that's a little scary, and that was 10 years ago. Okay, back from the detour, right? <laughs> this thorn in the flesh, see, what was it? Well. It was serious enough that it motivated him to pray. And that brings me to the second reason God will allow us to suffer. He'll allow us to go through difficulty, not only to rid us of pride, but to ready us to pray. See, Paul is beseeching God. I beseech you, brethren, right? I, I, I besought the Lord. I'm begging him. I have acted in a couple Gilbert and Sullivan opera, or operettas. One was Pirates of Penzance. I don't know if any of you know what that is, okay, a couple of you, and there's a lesser known one uh, uh, called Patience or Bunthorn's Bride, and boy, we use that word a lot, besought, another one is prithee or I pray thee, I, I. He's, in other words, this is not a pain in the neck prayer, this is a thorn in the flesh prayer, <laughs> what's a pain in the neck prayer? Dear Lord, thank you for this food. Please bless to our bodies and our bodies and pray that you give us a good day. Oh Lord, and also would you take care of this? I got a pebble in my shoe. Right? That's that's a that's a pain in the neck prayer. This is a thorn in the flesh. This is different. And I don't know if it was a, an eye issue. Someone else thought that uh, perhaps it was a person. I mean, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil, he says, right? Maybe it was a person. I don't know. And frankly, I'm glad we don't know. Because the human nature that we have, we probably end up worshiping his affliction, you know. What's wrong with you today? I have St. Paul's holy affliction. <gasps> oh, thou dost have the affliction. The thorn. He doth have the thorn. You know, we'd, we'd like worship it. Like that's, <laughs> that's just the way we are, right, as humans. So I'm glad we don't know because you can plug in whatever there and apply it to your own life, Right? Sometimes the Lord allows us to go through difficult things so it drives us to our knees. You know, the disciples never asked the Lord, that it's not recorded that they asked the Lord, teach us to preach. 
It's never recorded that they asked the Lord, teach us to do miracles. Now they did do them, but the only record a record that we have of them asking him to teach them something was, Lord, teach us to what? Pray. There was something about the prayer life of Jesus Christ, and if you think about it, him being fully God, because he never divested himself of his deity. He laid aside the willful use of his uh, uh, omnipotence and certainly his omnipresence. He had to walk everywhere, right? He was always God, though. Excuse me. And you think to yourself, wow, well, he would, needed, he would have needed to pray less, right? It doesn't work that way. I can't remember which um, reformer it was. Some of you probably would know better than I, but I believe it was Martin Luther who said, I have so much to do today, I've got to spend extra time in prayer. Yeah, okay. To our modern minds, that means the opposite. I've got so much to do today, I better skip prayer time. I'll tell you one person reading about uh, George Mueller. I want to talk about a convicting journey, but our prayer life. God, sometimes the Lord wants to ready us to pray. The Lord will allow us to go through difficulty, to rid us of pride, to ready us to pray. Number three, I want you to see this. To renew us with power. What does he say in verse number nine? And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect. When? In weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power, there it is, of Christ may rest upon me. Look at the end of verse 10. For when I am weak, then am I what? Strong. Now I know we can tend to think this way, uh, that, uh, you know, well, I want to be stronger after the trial. You know, I want to come through it. You know, maybe it's I shall come forth as gold, you know. And after the trial, I want to be stronger. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thought, and I think biblical. But that's not what he's saying in this passage. He's literally saying, during the time, in the moments when I'm weak, I am simultaneously strong. Wow. <laughs> you know, I was trying to think of a good illustration for this, and I, I thought of this, and I, I, I instantly knew it was a great illustration. Because sometimes the greatest ministry we'll have with someone else is when we're going through a dark time. There was a pastor who had been a pastor for decades upon decades, maybe 50 years. He's still alive, lives up in Midland. Uh, he's 95, 96, something like that. He was on my ordination council. Uh, in fact, he, uh, I loved being ordained, by the way. That was like a highlight. You know, I know a lot of guys kind of dread it. It's a love-hate relationship. For me, it was all love. I loved it. I, in fact, I wrote a book on doctrine that's back there. That's actually my doctrinal statement, my ordination. Some, they tell some guys, like, just write two pages, right? Because <laughs> then there's less to ask about. I went the other way. I was like, I wrote 70 pages. I was like, yeah, let's do it. You know, bring it on. I love this stuff, right? And I tried to anticipate every possible question. He's the only one that asked me a question that I didn't anticipate. And uh, he didn't razz me for it or anything. It's just, I was like, here's this, this pastor who uh, didn't have a huge education or anything. 
but he just loves the Lord and he's retired now. Well, anyway, long story short, he had a stroke and I wanted to spend some time with him and I happened to be in town. So I'm driving over uh, to spend some time with him and I remember thinking to myself and praying at the same time. You ever do that? It goes out in my mind, it kind of goes like this. Dear Lord, would you help me? I don't close my eyes, I'm driving. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> and I don't have a Tesla. So, uh, dear Lord, would you help me? I want to be an encouragement. I don't want to say something dumb. Ben, don't say something dumb. You know, then I'm, you know Lord, would you help me to remember? And I want to encourage him and, and, uh, and such. Well, anyway, after spending 45 minutes or so with him, you know who I think got the bigger blessing? Yeah, I felt like I did. And at that time, he had had a stroke and he was, it was hard for him to form words, or sentences, rather. And, uh, and, and, but, but we just spent time and it was like the Lord was shining through him. How can that happen? He was weak, but what? He was strong. And you know what, friends? Sometimes the Lord will put us in a difficult situation. He'll, maybe he'll, uh, he'll put us in a spot where we can't answer our own prayers with our own wallets. Now look, there's nothing wrong with preparing for emergencies. We've had to do that. Some of you are aware of our car saga. We've had emergency funds and we've been able to take care of things, but you know, sometimes you can't. Well, the Lord knows and sometimes he allows us to go through those difficult things to renew us with power. By the way, a good definition of ministry, I can't remember where I heard this, uh, but as Spurgeon says, I, I milk, a lot of co- milk a lot of cows, but I churn my own butter. <laughs> okay, So I, I hear a lot of things, and I, I try to listen all the time. And, and somebody somewhere along the line said this, and I grabbed onto it. Ministry is anything I do or say to draw another person closer to Christ. Ministry is anything I do or say to draw another person closer to Christ. Sometimes the greatest ministry we will have will not be within the walls of the church building. In fact, I would hope that the biggest ministries that we have would not be in the walls of the church building per se. Why? Because sometimes it's over coffee. Sometimes maybe it's on the golf course. I don't skip church. Go Well, I'm ministering, brother. Okay, all right. There's other principles in Scripture too. You can't just follow one. You got to line them all up. Could be fishing, could be just spending time, could be in a hospital room. And maybe you're the one lying in the bed. I have a song entitled, It's Your Turn. I don't know if I'll sing it this week or not. It's kind of high. (laughs) Because I sang it back like 15 years ago, and my voice has lowered since my vocal injury. But that's why I wrote it, was It's Your Turn, because a friend of mine's dad, who had been such an encourager, and an incredible voice, too. They came back with the news on the phone that he had an inoperable brain tumor that would eventually take his singing voice and his speech. Man, that was hard. That was really hard. But I wrote that song really for, you know, there was a number of things that happened at that same time, so it wasn't just him. There was a couple others, too. There was a guy who um, got cancer, and it was really fast, and I wrote one of the verses for his family. And I actually got to show him the song. I'll probably have to sing it now that I'm talking all about it. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll do it tomorrow and I'll, I'll charge my voice up during the day, right? Um, but uh, I got to show it to him 
before he passed away, uh, before the album came out. But the concept behind it is just sometimes it's your turn. Maybe it's your turn. Maybe you're going through something. Well, maybe God wants to renew you with power so you can minister to someone else. Finally tonight, I want you to see not only does suffering in the life of the Christian, the Lord might allow, might allow us to suffer, to rid us of pride, to ready us to pray, to renew us with power, and then finally, number four, to refocus our perspective. To refocus our perspective. Look at what he says there in the middle of verse 9. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. In verse 10, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. He's saying, I, I welcome them. You realize that's not him saying, I'm grateful in spite of them. I mean, that's good to be grateful in spite of difficulties, but that's not what he's saying. He's actually saying, I'm grateful for the difficulty. What kind of perspective do you have to have, right? Our son who's sitting over here with the camera, uh, he will often record my messages, and if you're wondering why he's not tonight, it's uh, because we were testing out a new lens. We're trying to get a lens that just fits most churches correctly so that he doesn't have to like be halfway down the aisle, really conspicuous uh, videoing. So uh, a few years ago, I got this telephoto 500 millimeter lens, and it's way too powerful. So he's not, he, like, it'd be like right on my eyeball right now, and no one wants to see that. That's not edifying, right? You know, just my face, <sighs> you know, that's not going to, no one's going to be blessed by that. So uh, that's not the right size, so we won't use it for that. So he's not being lazy, he's just sitting there. Um, you're not on the, you're not watching like the lions or something, are you? Okay, good, good job, good job, all right. He wouldn't do that anyway. That's after. That's, we still got time. <laughs> I'm human too, all right? But I, I think about that because you can look through the wrong end of a telescope and things look a lot different. Our, our perspective matters. I've often told young people when I have the opportunity to speak to young people that if you rub your nose against the fence of the rules, you're going to get a sore nose and everything's going to bother you. It's, it's the same way in life. You, you just Look, he's saying, okay, Lord, I will accept your way. And we need to tackle this for a moment, okay? Because at, in one moment, in one point, he's begging God to take it away, right? In fact, three, I think it's three seasons of prayer. Not just three prayers, but three seasons of prayer where he's begging God to take it away. But then we find out at the end here, he's saying, okay, Lord, I'll glory in it. What changed? What happened? There must have been a point where, where he realized, guess what? What did Jesus tell him? No, Paul. I'm not going to take it away. My grace will carry you through. You know, each of us, when we go through difficulties, we go through suffering, I don't believe it's automatically wrong to wrestle with the Lord about things. In fact, we're kind of given the picture in Scripture that sometimes the Lord wants that. For us to just wrestle with Him, just alone with the Lord. Lord, I don't understand. Would you help me? I, I could serve you so much better. We even see up all the way up to the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
And I know there's different interpretations of what he was saying in the garden. I take it pretty simply, i got to be honest with you, that he was actually asking if there's a different way, Heavenly Father, I would take that way. I, I don't have a problem with that. It wasn't sin. He was just straightforward asking, and he, then he, what does he say? Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And you know, sometimes he puts us in the exact same situation. Let me give you this illustration, and we'll be done tonight. There's a lady that would sometimes come to our meetings through the years. I actually had known her since I was a child. And uh, fantastic string musician. And, uh, and she got a disease, a horrible disease, called multiple sclerosis. In a crowd this size, I'm sure there are people here who either you yourself or family or friends that you know are affected with that disease. My grandmother had that, among other things. But that disease is cruel in the sense that it gradually, sometimes quickly, but oftentimes just kind of painstakingly takes away someone's coordination. Did that with my grandma. She eventually couldn't, she also had rheumatoid arthritis and she couldn't paint. She was a painter and her hands would get so gnarled up. She eventually learned how to use a brush between her teeth. Talk about a spirit, right? Well, anyway, this lady would often come to the meetings and want to spend time with me since she knew me since I was a kid and to just share with me what was going on in her life and the difficulties that she was facing. Now, I want you to understand something here, friends. There are, when I say this, okay, there are energy givers and there are energy takers. Uh, Energy givers are people that you like to be around and you feel charged up after you're with them. Energy takers are those where you feel like you're exhausted because you've had to give so much. I'm not being cruel, I'm not being heartless or anything like that when I say that she was an energy taker, not because of her condition, but because of her attitude about her condition. She never smiled, it was always, how could God allow this? Ben, don't you have any answers? How could God allow, how, how, why I can't play my cello anymore? I don't understand, and, and I would do the best job that I could, but I'm, I'm not the Holy Spirit, of course. But my whole family, we've grown up, they've grown up in ministry. They knew that if I said, okay, I've got, a, I've got a, uh, about 20 minutes I need to block out after the service, they would know. Well, this went on for about, I'd say, eight years maybe, not quite 10, where every time I would see her come in, I'd be preaching somewhere in Michigan. She would come in, I would know that I just need to block out some time to spend, be with her and invest in her. But I'll never, but I'll never forget the day when something was different. I saw her come in the back, marked it down. I told the family in between songs, all right, so-and-so's here, so you know, give me an extra 20 minutes. And I met her at the back, and she did not look recognizable. Like, I, I, I knew it was her, but it did not look like her, and I'll tell you why, because she was smiling. I, I didn't even remember her smiling. And I said, wow, how, how are you? And she said, isn't God good? First words out of her mouth. And I said, well, well, yes, he is. I mean, how are you doing? Is, has something changed? I thought, you know, forgive me, I'm a little naive sometimes. Uh, uh, I thought maybe she'd been healed, you know, or something. I, I didn't know what was going on. I, I was so shocked. She said, oh, no, I still, still can't play the cello. I'll never be able to play that again. But, you know, the, Lord, the Lord's so good to me in so many different ways. 
And we talked about the goodness of God for about 10 minutes. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Not because I knew what happened in her heart. I wasn't privy to her time with the Lord. But I can guarantee you that between the last time I saw her and that time, she came to the point that Paul did somehow and said, okay, okay, Lord, your answer is no. Well, then I'll accept it. Not only will I accept it, I'll glory in it. I'll take it as almost a badge of honor that you would Give this to me. And you know what, friends? I can't claim to understand that outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. But maybe you're wrestling with something tonight. Maybe, maybe it's time. I don't know. I'm not the Holy Spirit. But maybe it's time to just say, you know, Lord, okay, I've been praying for this, this so long, this condition, this finance, this relationship, this whatever. Maybe it's time to say, okay, Lord, I'll yield to you. And there'll be a joy and a peace that will overwhelm you like nothing else. I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed tonight. It's just us here tonight. We're not live streaming or anything like that. I want to ask you a question. Has the Holy Spirit placed His finger on one of these reasons? Maybe tonight you'd say, you know, Brother Ben, I, as I was thinking through this, I, I'm going through a difficult time. Maybe it's something that I mentioned, a health or money or relationship. Maybe it's something I didn't mention. But you're going through a difficulty, and tonight, with no one looking around, you'd say, you know, Brother Ben, would you pray for me? I won't point you out or embarrass you. But if that's you this evening, would you simply lift your hand up and let me pray for you? Yes, amen. Yes, amen. Yes. Amen. Yes, thank you. May put that down. Anyone else tonight? I'm going through a difficulty. Would you pray for me? Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. I see that. Raising a hand is not magic. It's just, it's just a sign of the heart, right? Dear Lord, I pray for these folks that have lifted their hands, probably easily half the congregation tonight. We're going through difficulties, but they haven't caught you by surprise. You know what happens to the sparrow, so you certainly know what's going on in our lives and what you've allowed there. Lord, would you help us? to allow you to have your will in our lives? Lord, that can be difficult. But Lord, would you show us what you want from us? In a moment, I'm going to have a stand to our feet, and I'll have the pianist play just one verse of an invitation. If you'd like to spend some time with the Lord, I'd like to ask you to do something. Would you just remain seated or just sit back down where you were and just spend some time with the Lord? We'll be done here in about two minutes. But I think sometimes it's important just to kind of nail that down and say, Lord, as of tonight, would you, would you help me? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Brother, would you just play a simple hymn of invitation on the piano? Let's stand to our feet, shall we? This isn't high pressure. It's not a come forward type thing. But as folks stand, maybe you'd like to sit back down or just remain seated and spend some time with the Lord. Some are doing so. How about you tonight? go to the Lord and say, Lord, you know what I'm going through. Would you just show me what you want me to, how you want me to respond? Give me the strength. Maybe he's preparing you for great ministry to somebody. Maybe he's ridding you of pride. Maybe he's 
Maybe it's that perspective change that we need. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you for these folks sacrificing of their time on a Monday night, no less, in the middle of a busy season to spend some time with you. Lord, would you keep them safe as we go from here? Lord, and would you help us with this topic? Bring us back Tuesday and Wednesday to hear from you, and we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor, anything?